You've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep-voiced person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment, which is also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the Council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of DC. If you don't follow us already, please do so immediately. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. If you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communication. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the DC Council's just like your workplace, except with a dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Now, without any further ado, let me introduce today's guest, Chairman Phil Mendelson. Hello, Josh. How are you? It's good to see you, Chairman. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I understand your middle name is Heath. Please explain. Uh, family name? Family Mother's name. side of the family. I knew you were going to say family name. If you had to come up with a good story for why it was Heath, could you come up with a good sort of uh, story to brag on? You want me to make one up? Yes. Or you want me to tell an old family story? Either. Well, there was an ancestor in the Civil War on the Union side who used to brag about uh, his service with uh, William Tecumseh Sherman. Okay. With Sherman outside uh, the city of Atlanta, and uh, Sherman uh, turned to uh, my great-great-great-uncle and said, What now, Heath? Who replied, saying, War is hell. Okay. That's better than I thought. I was thought maybe the first guy who stole a car from or something, his name was Heath. No, no car thieves in my history that I know of. Gotcha. Family didn't tell me of any of them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, let's let's go back in, uh, and come together to a place uh, in your history where you had hair. Let's talk about Cleveland. I have hair now. I have a mustache. That's a valid point. Valid point. Let's talk about Cleveland. Okay. What do you want to know about? When I was growing up, it was called the, on TV, advertised as the best location in the nation. And uh, some folks uh, used to call it the mistake by the lake. What was your opinion, then and now? I enjoyed uh, living in Cleveland. Um... I'm not sure what to say. Midwest, uh, there's a, something a little bit different about the climate being right on one of the Great Lakes. What, what would folks in the district recognize in your upbringing and what would seem, uh, seem unusual to them? What do you mean by recognizing my upbringing? I don't know. What, what's the same? What, what kind of was the same you coming up in Cleveland and, and what is different? You just mentioned the weather is something that uh, they might not recognize quite as much, but... Uh, uh, when I was growing up, there was no Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Right. Uh, when my, my last relative, close relative, passed away a couple of years ago, so I used to visit 
frequently. Um, always noted it was a slower pace. Um, Cleveland was very much a um, part of the Industrial Revolution in the late 19th century, and uh, so it's uh, it's possible to go around the city and see some of the the legacy, if you will, from that era. Not the same as here in Washington, which is a little bit more southern and doesn't have that uh, legacy of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, and when you were when you were growing up there, did folks think of D.C., speak of D.C., or was it as distant as London or Paris? Did, did they have a conception of D.C., or was well, it just a, a foreign I had, land to them? Since I had relatives who lived in Falls Church, um, I thought of D.C. more than probably the average Clevelander. Why are we spending so much time talking about Cleveland? I, I live in Washington. I'm proud of Washington. I represent the citizens of Washington. Why don't we talk about Washington? But this this is what all of the other council members undergo uh, under contract with me um, in their first round of radio interview. It's a biographical, they have a contract? it's do a they, deep dive. Wait a minute, wait a minute, do they get paid? Do they have no, a contract with you? No. Because I'm not getting paid for this interview. No, they haven't seen the contract. Only I've seen the contract. But in, okay. in the first round, we do a deep dive, biographical obscurities, loosens people up, and in subsequent interviews, we'll do more conversation uh, directly about the council and about policy. All right, you can try that. I will. I, I've been so far. We'll keep at it. Uh, so speaking of Cleveland's industrial past, uh, I believe your father worked in the family water heater manufacturing business. Correct. And how many generations back did that uh, business go? Two. Okay. And uh, I think on your mother's side, there is more of a history of public service. Correct. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, my mother ran for the city council of Cleveland Heights, Ohio, twice, lost each time. Explained to me, who was very young at the time, that uh, she was the, uh, on the reformer side of things and was uh, beaten by the machine. Um, she also got active after, after unsuccessful efforts in politics. Uh, she became very active with uh, nursing home reform and um, actually became somewhat of a national figure in pushing for better federal regulations uh, regulating or ensuring minimal standards at, in nursing homes. Published a book in 1974 called Tender Loving Greed. And even today, every now and then, somebody will approach me, I'll get an email or I'll be at a a community meeting and somebody will come up to me and say, uh, I read your mother's book. And was it your mother's mother who was also in public service or was it your father's mother? Uh, my mother's mother. Okay. Who, um, she, um, Florence Jones, she um, was appointed by uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt to, I want to say the Work Price Administration, but I, I'm, I'm sure I've got the title wrong. And, uh, she, that's not a government job. It was, um, as I understood it, a commission. And uh, she was active with the League of Women Voters, was president of the Michigan State League of Women Voters uh, for a term. I think it was just one term in the, in the 1920s. Uh, so she was politically active. And back to your mom, do you know what her what her vote totals were, what her percentages were, were in her race, out of curiosity? Uh, my recollection is it was close to but below 50%. In order to win, Josh, you have to have over 
Yes, that's the new math. It's also the uh, it's the standard bath, and uh, so she came close but didn't get there. Gotcha. And, and you said she had an opponent who was from sort of the political machine in Cleveland. Well, she claimed, she stated it was the machine that, uh, the as I recall, there were maybe five members of the council, maybe seven, and I think they were all up at the same time. There were multiple offices that, uh, so if... I think she would have had to have been the top three, top five, top seven, whatever the number was, and she always fell like one short. God, was that a, a ward type or an at-large? Uh, I believe at-large. Gotcha. Cleveland Heights is not that big. Gotcha. Now, when you moved east, um, you said that, uh, or you went to American University, was that because you had family nearby? What was the affinity to, uh, to the D.C. area? You suggested I get back to Washington, which is what I'm doing. Correct. Because Washington, D.C. is a great city. Correct. Uh, because I knew when I came here that Washington would uh, have one of the best uh, uh, fiscal government, fiscally run governments in the early, uh, you know, the, in the country. That, when, when, uh, you were eight, when you were 18, deciding on colleges, you were looking at who had the most fiscally responsible governments? I was looking into the future and seeing oh. how wonderful Washington, D.C. would be in 2018. Oh, okay. That's what I'm trying to convey. Gotcha. I knew this was the place to be. So did you Growing get... at about 1,000 people a month, which is good. Right. Although right. there's, you know, puts pressures on things like affordability, but which is a serious challenge. Uh, but uh, I could see that this would be a great, uh, great city, a lot of vitality. And did this feel like you were uh, like independence, like you were getting away from the family, or because you had folks uh, nearby in Falls Church, did it feel like you were? I'm sorry, are you now psychoanalyzing me, Mr. Gibson? I'm psychoanalyzing the old you. Oh, okay, well, you have to call the old, old me. So what's the question? Oh, no, I came here because I wanted to go to college. Yeah, a lot of people, when they go to college, they're trying to get away from their family or trying to stay near family. I was interested in government. Interested in government. Mm. And so how long after you left the ANC did you get on the ANC? How long after you left American University did you get on the ANC? Um, I got elected to the ANC in 1979, if I remember correctly. I believe the ANC elections were in odd years back then. Okay, and when did you graduate from college? Uh, I was, uh, I got my degree in 1981, but I, was of an earlier class, but I got involved with a lot of stuff from student government to uh, then um, moved into McLean Gardens and uh, became active in the Tenants Association. So that was kind of distracting to my matriculation. Gotcha. Was that the first elected role you had in AU student government, or had you dabbled in it back in uh, Ohio? Uh, I did not run for student government in Ohio. Uh, I did uh, I did run for an office in the student government at American University and lost. And my percentage was over 49%, in case you wanted to ask. But then did you subsequently win? Because I spoke to someone recently who remembered your time in student government at AU. Are you, like, investigating me and doing research? Possibly. Uh, actually, I never held elective office in the student government. Fascinating. That's a false memory from my uh, my source. But I was active in the student government. 
how okay so you were an active participant as a constituent and, and student. Uh, if you have to know i was assistant controller for the student association for a year or two and i was the chair of the interclub council okay for a year or two as the person's memory was that even back then you were very detail oriented and could not be tripped up on facts and details well that's important it's you want somebody who knows their stuff incredibly important mm -hmm. i just wanted to say that was even back then mm -hmm. you were showing traits that would serve you well into like your commitment future commitment uh fact orientation uh masterful uh, knowledge of the subject matter. how about good government exactly exactly providing uh, worthy service now talk to me about 20 years on the anc I served for five years on the ANC, this sounds like a and book. I would not trade it for anything. This sounds like a book title, 20 Years on the ANC. Yes, it would be a low seller. Talk to me. 20 years on the ANC is a very long tenure I've on the ANC. Back on the psychological couch here. Possibly. Uh, ANC service is what one wants to make of it. So folks get elected to ANCs, and they go to the meetings, and that's about all they do. Or they decide that they're going to just be involved in every issue that comes along and are incredibly involved, or in between, or they specialize in certain areas. Um, I became quite active with regard to uh, planning and zoning issues. And uh, it was interesting, uh, some of the ANCs are very active with uh, alcohol, beverage control, license issues. Uh, I was not, our ANC was not very much, but uh, land use and planning very much uh, uh, a preoccupation. What was the kind of stuff the ANC dealt with back then that you would have not had a lot of time or attention for? I don't understand that I would not have had. Were, were, you, were, you, were you universally interested in everything your ANC did, or were there some topics where despite your orientation and your, your interest in details, you, your eyes rolled back in your uh, Well, given the fact that I was chair multiple times and uh, maybe the most active of all the members on the commission, and there were nine or ten of, a, ten of us, depending upon which year, um, I, I can't think of an issue that I was not interested in, if not active in. Right, there's, there's the issues where when it comes up on the agenda, you roll your eyes back and say, not this again. It's not to say you don't deal with it in a... In a you mean like approving the minutes? Maybe, or just maybe an issue area. You know, that's, maybe you were so universally interested in all topics. I uh, ran into a former attorney of mine last night and uh, remembered uh, the two of us reminisced on the fact that as an ANC commissioner, I uh, sued a uh, property owner in the, the ANC, a newly constructed office building that uh, turned out um, was assessed at something like $100 million and then appealed their assessment and got, re got reduced to like zero. And I went to court and ultimately this attorney represented me and um, we sued that the city should not have reduced the taxes, the assessment tax assessment, and um, we were uh, challenged on standing. We weren't the taxpayer. Uh, I argued that as an ANC commissioner, I had standing, and uh, we won, and um, the city 
dropped its defense and sent a bill to the property owner for a half million dollars. We did that kind of stuff as a and Well played. It's the half million dollar check to the government. Yep, ANC is is uh, is a bully pulpit, like you said. It's what you made of it and what you can make of it. And some people don't make much and get mired in the details. And some pe- people see it as an opportunity to uh, play to a broader mm-hmm. stage. So. Well, and we got the law changed as well with regard to how to assess properties that are newly constructed. And have you ever done a rough cocktail napkin calculation to figure out how much money that saved the district? Well, it was a check for 500 oh, oh, the overall. Rule change. The rule change across the no, years. No, but if one building for half a year was 500000 it's uh, I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. I would say. Uh, now, you, you, not me, brought up uh, past attorneys. Talk to me about getting arrested, uh, fighting for a cause you believed in. Uh, well, that was... Uh, I'm one of the few people that's been arrested for protesting a road in a park. And uh, the uh, Glover Archwell Park, which runs from the Potomac up to Van Ness Street in northwest, uh, this would be west of Rock Creek Park, the, um, nor- the very northernmost entrance uh, is park-like, and today it is part of the park. And back when there was, um, there was a proposal to build a road through there, and we all said, you can't do that, it's a park, and it turned out that it was one of those never built dedicated streets, rights of way for a street. And um, it was uh, quite a controversy. It was, um, we had a camp in. So for a week, neighborhood residents camped on this right of way saying it was a park. It was actually kind of funny because the park service wouldn't give us a permit to have the camp in because they said it's a DC street. But the district government wouldn't give us a permit because they said, well, it's a park. And so we just had it at camp in. You could call it a sleep in, but it was a camp in for a week. And I got to tell you that sleeping out uh, is not an easy thing to do in a city environment. What was the time of year? It was the summer. It started out with a big uh, kickoff, and Joan Mondale, who was then the uh, wife of the vice president, uh, spoke at our rally. and. The uh, Mark Plotkin, I remember he came by and said he was going to spend a night with us. I don't think he did. Um, and uh, ultimately, I shouldn't say ultimately, we were not immediately successful. And uh, there were a number of, um, uh, there were several court cases and it went up through the appellate system and we weren't able to win. And uh, at the point that um, we had lost the case, we in court, um, we tried to block the construction. The um, uh, we got arrested, and uh, of course that made the news. And the uh, street was built. And um, a year later, because we were persistent, uh, because I was persistent, the um, the uh, developer of the street, uh, builder of the street, agreed to rip up the street. The city was not the one who built the street. It was a developer in conjunction with building an office building, the office building that we sued over the taxes. And um, the uh, developer ultimately agreed to rip up the street and um, restore the park. And that's what folks can enjoy now. And how does that, I've always wondered the details when, when you're arrested for, for civic protest in that kind of, they, they used the real handcuffs on you. They didn't have the plastic handcuffs back uh, back in the day. I think that's correct. I, I certainly don't want to date myself here, but... Uh, 
They put me in a paddy wagon, and uh, you don't see paddy wagons that much anymore in the district. And um, I don't know who'd been in the night before, but they smoked a lot because it was very... It smelled like somebody smoked a lot in that paddy wagon. And Could be worse. I've never seen um, police officers move so slow in my life, but uh, then again, I think that was the point, was why hurry? So they drove us down to uh, Central Cell Block and took a long time to process us and held us in a big holding pen and under the court and then went to arraignment. And they keep you overnight? or Nope. Gotcha. As soon as I was uh, presented to the judge, the um, U.S. attorney said uh, no paper, which is the same as dropping the charges. Gotcha. So no no uh, meals taken? Uh... Lunch. Bologna sandwich. Okay. Just curious, because then... Famously, and I think it was 2011, uh, the mayor and a number of council members got arrested on Capitol Hill protesting the budget. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if if your past record um, had dissuaded you from participating. You didn't want a three strikes and you're out kind of situation. Um, You know, civil disobedience is, uh, I want to say, is an honored tradition in our country. Absolutely. And um, it is a level of commitment saying that um, I'm, I'm willing to go to jail to uh, assert this principle. And um, I think you got to respect the people who do that. Absolutely. Um, and it's not an easy choice because there's a lot of uncertainty. You're deprived of your liberty. And, you know, somebody who gets arrested for civil disobedience, or maybe I should say most folks who get arrested for civil disobedience, all they have to do is a few hours or maybe a day. Uh, So it's only an insight into what goes on in our criminal justice system and the deprivation of liberty Um, and and a fair amount of uncertainty of what's what's going to happen. It also was a very interesting experience for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly something that, um, like you said, opened your eyes in the probably the meekest, mildest way to, to what other people are, are experiencing. Correct. And, and also knowing that uh, the folks that you are protesting might not look happily on it and might, like you said, take their time processing the paperwork mm-hmm. and getting you out. So you honestly don't know what you're getting yourselves into. Correct. Right. Or you end up sitting sitting in a vehicle for several hours or sitting in a cell block for a number of right. hours. So, And we know from stories that we read in the paper, not so much about Washington, D.C., that sometimes uh, prisoners are treated very badly. Absolutely. And uh, it's there's, there's very little that a person can do when they're locked up. But, you know, to bring it back to the civil disobedience tradition, it is a way of... Um, taking the protest to a level that gets more attention. And uh, that's what we did. And uh, although it didn't have immediate effect, it uh, I'm sure it surprised a lot of folks down at City Hall that these uh, ANC commissioners and a few others were getting, getting locked up over this. Uh, and we got the road pulled up a couple of years later. Absolutely. And is that is that the same area now where the, the discussion about Johnson's uh, Garden Center is yeah. going on? Yeah. Yeah, thought so. So it's uh, what's past is uh, is prologue. Um, t- 
talk to me a little bit. There's someone who who has been at large in the city for decades. I feel like you have one of the better senses of. No, when you say at large, you mean like roaming around the city? Uh, yeah, I mean since you were released by the police. No, I mean since you've been uh, an at large member of the council. Oh, that you elected citywide. Oh, okay. Correct. Correct. I feel like you have one of the better mental geographies of the city. Are there any? Uh, areas of the city that surprise you? Any interesting hidden gems, uh, little bits of things you bet, imagine people didn't even know that was there? I feel like you have a good knowledge of that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but because a lot of them are hidden little gems, they don't immediately pop to mind. Uh, what does pop to mind immediately is uh, Cedar Hill, which was Frederick Douglass's house. And uh, I mean, it's just just beautiful looking at this, seeing this house standing on a, the top of a hill, uh, and the house that belonged to a great person. Uh, so that comes to mind. Um, you know, east of the river, it's just a, the the topography is just amazing. The um, the hilliness, and so you get views of the city that are quite impressive. Um, there used to be the point that was publicly available on the west campus of St. Elizabeth's that's now closed to the public. But similar to that would be the view of the city from the church, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, at the top of Morris Road. Um, I'm trying to think. The um, there, there, there are a lot of a lot of very interesting places in the city. Uh, some of the um, church buildings around the um, the uh, basilica in the northeast um, yeah the little little Rome uh, area if you can get into some of those buildings they're quite impressive any any shortcuts you're willing to disclose to the public or do those do you want to keep to your uh, yourself or well there used to be a great shortcut to get onto uh, the freeway from I believe it was 19th Street but that got closed off. Gotcha. 15th Street northbound is very well known, but that's that's one that probably... It's not a shortcut. It's not a shortcut, but it, it, the traffic tends to flow pretty well there. Yeah. Um, to both of our surprise, we're running out of time, um, but we do have a couple features that we come back to. I really... I can't wait to come back and be asked about more um, shortcuts like, like 15th Street. Yeah. To be asked about like your job and stuff. That That's episode oh. two or three. Oh, yeah, yeah, you I have got, to come got, back two or three earn. times before we get to some substance, Josh? Yes, you got to earn that. You got to earn that. It's not for free. Okay. Uh, so as you may remember, James Lipton from Inside the Actors Studio, in an homage to Bernard Pivot of the seminal program Apostrophe, would ask all his guests the same 10 thought-provoking questions. I will not be asking those questions. Instead, please rank in order of preference for you these five items. Cake, candy, cookies, ice cream, and pie. This is sort of a dietary Myers-Briggs. I find that you can know a lot about a person based on how they answer this question. I don't understand. There's no... no. Top, top, top to bottom, what is your favorite down to what is your least favorite of these five dessert categories? Oh, I thought you just wanted the, the top. No. I mean, I'll there's five. only one on that list. Well, tell us more. It's pie. Rhubarb pie, preferably. Past listeners know, whenever I ask this question, I say that I am suspicious of the pie people. And lo and behold, you're a pie person and my wife is a pie person. So yeah. that tells yeah. me something. So work your way down from pie. 
Well, pie's is the last one you listed because it's you don't care about in al- pie. No, it's in alphabetical order if you mm-hmm. look at the list. If you think about it, pie, actually, as I say this, particularly on radio, it evokes more than just simply dessert. Right, that's my, like that's mathematical, my issue. Mathematical challenges formula? One of the things we learned from asking pie? this question is how easily people respond to it. And then if I get a nervous, I could just say, eat pie. You could. You mm-hmm. could. So you're, you're not going to... Or I could say, shut your pie hole. Right. There are a lot of possibilities with pie. And you can't do that with, like, ice cream. You could. You do it. You could say it's a piece of cake to answer this question for most people. Evidently, it's not. Evidently. It's not. Will, you, will you indulge me and answer the other four? Indulge pies, you? mean like you would, like, candy top. indulge you with candy? Yes, please. Okay. Well, number two would be ice cream. Pie, ice cream, number mm-hmm. three. Uh, cake, cookies, candy at the bottom. Candy at the bottom. Sorry. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the other question that we ask all guests is, do you do any impressions? Public figures, Yeah, I do a great people. impression of myself. Yes. Yes, you do. And mm-hmm. I won't tell you, there was once a council member who did an impression of you on this radio show. Yeah. Maybe I'll tell you who and They're what it involved. They're not still a council member, though, are oh, they? Oh, yes, they are. Well, sadly, we're out of time. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Tune in again next time, listeners. We're at DC Radio. We're at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. Thanks again. Thank you, Chairman Mendelson, for your patience and indulgence. Well, thank you, Mr. Gibson. Look forward to having you back in the future. And uh, we've almost made our run through the 13 council members. We have, I believe, three council members less left to go. Stay tuned, uh, listeners. And please always do listen, 3 p.m on uh, 96.3 HD4 or at dcradio.gov. Thank you again, Chairman Mendelson. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you next time.